demonic strongholds of a generation. And I came tonight to incite a riot inside of your spirit. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 2 through 4, and then 9 through 18. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face and his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meloah to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal nor kissed him. 
Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd hide me in the shadow of the cross. I feel the fullness of the weight of your word in this moment. I pray that you would give me the tongue of the learned so I can make this word be a rhema word that comes alive in the hearts and minds of each and every individual that falls upon the sound of my voice, whether it be presently in the tabernacle or later on in in a recording or even by live stream. I pray that my word words would become sharp as a two-edged sword as I have studied and prepared through the word of Almighty God that we might have change in the hearts and minds of men and women tonight. Father, I call forth now the supernatural signs and wonders of the Holy Ghost. I call forth attending angels and ministering spirits. I even felt in my spirit this morning that demons are going to be violated tonight and they are going to be exiled in the name of Jesus. That These vile demonic beings are going to have light shed on them tonight. And I call forth the light of God's word to shine and illuminate dark places in Jesus' name. Father, I pray you open up every single heart, mind, and ear of every single person that hears this word so they may be transformed by the eternal and errant words of Almighty God. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody shout amen in the house. What are you doing here, Elijah? I've read this passage many, 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 many times, but not so much as the time when I read it like this. You must understand, first and foremost, I want to liken some things tonight to the way that the things have become in this day and in this hour. What are you doing here, Elijah? This question is asked by the father of the heavenly lights. He asks him not because he doesn't know where Elijah is at and not because he doesn't know what Elijah is doing. He asks him because he wants to know if Elijah knows where he's at and what he's doing. You must understand, brothers and sisters, that this mountain is no ordinary mountain. This is the mountain of God. He's hiding in a cave on the mountain of God, the same mountain where Moses took the Ten Commandments. And then it becomes even more interesting when he says these words. If you go back to 1 Kings 15, the Bible says that Elijah meets Obadiah and has a conversation with him, a lengthy conversation with Obadiah. And when the Lord asks him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, I've zealously served you, Lord, and and they've killed all your prophets. They've torn down your altars, and I am the only one left. And he had just had a conversation with Obadiah, the prophet. The same prophet that writes the book of Obadiah. We consider him a minor prophet because of the content, not because of the importance of what he had to say. And he tells the Lord he's the only prophet left in the land. What are you doing here, Elijah, is a question asking this great man of God to reckon why on earth he is out here in this cave. 
What are you doing here, Elijah, is a question asked to those who have run from their calling. What are you doing here, Elijah, is a question asked to people who have made reservations in a one-star cave on a five-star budget. What are you doing here, Elijah, is a question asked to people who came to their current place without the consent of heaven. Ahab, the king of Israel, becomes king. He gets himself a wife. His wife's name is Jezebel. Jezebel is a woman whose name means exalter of Baal. In fact, I want you to know that all who worship Baal through sacrifice had to kiss the bull before they could leave the temple of Baal as they were done sacrificing, just like you've seen them in 2022 kissing the bull at the Commonwealth Games in London, England. They kissed the cow and they would leave after their sacrifice was over. But then there was the wife of Baal. And Baal was tied to this false goddess of fertility. Her name was Asherah. And everywhere Baal was worshipped, Asherah would follow with the construction of Asherah poles. And pardon me, this may get a little bit PG, but where the Asherah poles, they would have heterosexual and homosexual orgies in attempt to please Baal, who was the husband. And if Baal was pleased, his wife Asherah would be pleased. And then they would open up the wombs of those who worshipped them at the orgy. Baal's wife, Asherah, is just as the word of God said, and the Bible is right, and everybody else is wrong. There is nothing new under the sun. As you've seen in the video, Baal is back and on center stage of the world, and everywhere Baal is worship, sexual orientation and confusion follows. Baal was considered not only to be male, he was considered also to be gender fluid, so he was female. At certain times of the year, in certain of their services, the men would dress like women and act like women as they worship and sacrifice to Baal. Likewise, the women would dress like and act like men until the end of their ceremonies and services. This is why your Bible says a man should not wear a woman's clothing garment and a woman should not wear a man's clothing garment. So what brought Elijah here to this place that we find him in the Scripture? I have several points that I'd like to share. And in 1 Kings 19.15, Elijah gets a disturbing report from heaven. Now, I want you to understand, we have turned being Pentecostal into such popcorn and light shows with no power, with no repentance, with no anointing, and with no speaking in tongues that what has happened is, is, is we say that we can go anywhere and do whatever we want to do because of the freedom that we have in God. But the fact of the matter is we still have to answer to this book. 
We cannot get away from the Bible. That's why in Children's Church, every single Sunday morning, we say it like this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. So today, preachers read this passage, and they want to stop right there where the rocks are shaking and the wind is blowing and the fire is falling and write a book for self-help guidance. But I came to you tonight with an anointing and I plan on casting the devil out of somebody before I leave this house. I I want you to know some things that are going to be true in my life. And and I can make a promise to my grandfather and to my father and to my mother and to my grandmother and even to my grandfather and grandmother in Oklahoma and to all of my family members that have not fallen off the wagon. I will not be the last member of my family to speak in tongues. Titus is going to speak in tongues more than a United Nations meeting because I'm going to teach him this book. But sometimes we must obey the word of God when he says, go back the way you came. Go back the way that you came. God did not call Elijah to the mountain of God. And so he tells him, go back the way that you came. He did not supernaturally transport him back to the place and time he was at. He made him walk right back the way that he came to hide. People who are being asked, What are you doing here, Elijah, are people who have went on their own way of ministry because the Father didn't send him that way to begin with. And I want you to know, sometimes even shamefully, you got to walk back the own way that you came. We say because of statistics in this day and hour that a good church member is someone who who ties or who regularly attends one or two of the services and shows up on work days. And statistically, they say that you're an active uh, church member if you go to two church services a month. But when I was a kid, we had a term for that. We called it backslid. You must get committed to the house of God. Bell is back. He's stronger than ever. And he's not playing games. May I submit to you, friends, that God is asking you, what are you doing here today? He didn't call you to be a tither. He didn't call you to be a ministry worker. He didn't call you to work hard on work days. He didn't call you to regularly attend church. While all of these things are biblically mandated things, God has not called you to them. Oh, you have a calling. Tell your neighbor, I have a calling. I have a calling. Oh, he's called you to love the unlovable and reach the unreachable and heal the brokenhearted and cast out demons and bind the devil in Jesus' name and heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the word in and out of season at all times to pray without ceasing. And you say, well, that might just be a little bit too far out there for me. But in red letter words, your Bible says, 
Jesus told you, these works shall you do and greater. So if Jesus did it, he did it as a template for you to follow up with it. Oh, that's why when he said to pray, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now wait a minute. Oh, there's no sickness in the heavens. Oh, there's no disease in heaven. Oh, there's no gout. There's no arthritis. There's no cancer. There's no headaches. There's no pain, depression, suffering, broken bones, nor broken hearts. We need to pray heaven into this earth. We got to first go back the way that we came and find where it was that we missed it. We have to go back the way that we came and find where it was that we missed it. God did not miss it. And we think just because we pay our tithe and come to church two of the three services this week and spring work day at the start of the year that we're doing good. But actually, we have hidden ourselves up on the mountain of God where God never called us to begin with and we're wondering why God is not working like he promised that he would. And he's asking you today, what are you doing here? Elijah, ask your neighbor, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Oh, we got to understand, we must answer this question. Oh, people who are being asked, what are you doing here, Elijah, are those who he has called, God has called to declare his word. Over in 1 Kings 17, Elijah prophesies and he says this, it will no longer rain until I say it will rain. I'm just wondering where the men and women of God who prophesy crazy stuff are at. No, 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 you didn't hear me right. I said crazy stuff, not carnal stuff. Where are the men and women of God who prophesy crazy stuff? Now, here's a better question. Where are the men and women of God who have the ear of presidents and prominent world leaders who are willing to prophesy the potency of the words of Almighty God with strength and boldness and urgency and fervency? Because carnal comes from emotional exuberance based on man's flesh feelings. But crazy stuff is birthed by the Spirit of Almighty God to say, by this time next year, you will have a son. And the only reason it's crazy is because the people that you deliver the word to don't even have the faith enough to accommodate the word that you just gave in their ear. That's what makes it crazy. Then... In chapter 18, Elijah continues declaring the words of God and preaches a strong conviction message. And he asks, how long shall you halt between two opinions? Now, halt is a military term. 
It means to stop your marching order in three steps from the preparatory command after hearing the command of execution. <laughs> and Elijah asks, how long will you, the people of Israel, halt between two opinions? In other words, what that really means is, <laughs> oh, you got to help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> halt is what happens when you don't know what you believe. Now, wait a minute. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down so you know how mad to get later on. Oh, here's how you know if you got a halting spirit. Halting is when you attend Church of Christ churches on Sunday morning because your parents grew up that way. And you attend a Baptist church on Sunday night because your husband grew up Baptist. And then you attend a Pentecostal church on Wednesday because you like the way that it feels. Uh, oh, but for the love of donuts, can we just stop acting like we don't know what to do? God is a jealous God. Uh, we cannot be pluralistic one week and monotheistic the next week and jump into the bed with our spiritual sugar daddy on Saturday night hoping to get us ready for Sunday morning in this day and in this hour, God is totally through with weak-willed, spineless, jelly-backed men and women of God. God is looking for men and women who have grit and a backbone with the urgency and fervency to see sinners saved, to stand up and preach conviction, to share the word in and out of season, to know his voice, his will, and his ways, to walk the walk and talk the talk. And some of you say, I'm too old for this. But Elijah thought God was done with him too. But I want you to know that when you've been renewed by a brook called Cherith, uh, where the ravens bring you your every meal, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. In fact, hell may hate you. The devil may try to stop you. But no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Oh, I tell you this too. I don't even know if the ushers have got your back. I don't know if the deacons have got your back. I don't know if Sister Bucketmouth has got your back. And I definitely don't know if Brother Nailbiter has got your back. But I have found one thing for certain to be true. God's got your back. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Somebody shout, God's got my back. Oh. People who are being asked, what are you doing here? Elijah are ignoring the call of God on their life to be miracle workers and healers. For all you King James scholars, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. But that word repair in the Hebrew is a special word. It's the word that we use to get the name Jehovah Rapha. It is Rapha, the Lord our healer. 
And the reason why the altar had to be healed is because the nation of Israel had been divided and was now sacrificing on two separate altars, one in Israel and one in Judah. So instead of running around divided and praying two separate prayers, Elijah repaired or healed the altar of the Lord with 12 stones representing the 12 sons of Jacob who were the named 12 tribes of Israel and he sacrificed on one healed altar but before you can heal a nation you must get rid of division what do I mean well it's real simple I'm glad that you asked in 2022 just as the same in 1967 and even in 1942 and 1860, the most segregated day of the week is Sunday. And we put the black altar over there, and we put the white altar over there, and we put the Hispanic altar over there, and we put, we put all the altars in all their own corners, and they all looking different, and they all taking care of their own selves. The problem is, the problem with that is that the church of, of Jesus Christ is one body. And the Bible says, for God is not a God. God of disorder, but of peace, as in all meetings of God's holy people. And then it also says, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Oh, wait, uh, hold on. It says this too. I want you to hear the Bible. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I want you to know that there is a demon spirit that has been activated in the earth and that demon has a name we call it racism and that demon is a demon it was not sent by God because it causes chaos and confusion and destruction and disorder and that thing is a liar it is a liar because its father is Satan whose native tongue is lies and he sent this into the earth and I, I want you to know what this this thing I'm not taking credit for this I'm just going to tell you what happened one Sunday morning I was preaching in St. Louis Missouri at brother Terry Miller's church I was preaching and I got up under the anointing and this was right after the first craziness and nonsense went on right by Ferguson I mean we was like 10 minutes from Ferguson I got up under the anointing in this great mixed crowd of believers and I started prophesying and declaring the word of the Lord as I read Psalm 107 verse number 20 that he sent his words and healed them and delivered them from their destruction and I began to preach and I began to prophesy and I'm telling you this is the truth after that day I'm not taking credit for it I'm just telling you what happened after that day, I don't remember hearing one single thing in the news about riots in every city that I prophesied over, which was Baltimore and Ferguson and Waco. I'm just telling you, if you get up under the anointing, the Word of God will do the rest. You don't have to have no special preacher lay his hands on you. You just got to get up under the anointing and you can heal the wounds of racism.
command of vision. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Is a question asked to people who are called to holiness fire. Elijah called down fire from heaven. And if he'd have done it in this drought, the fire marshal would have gave him a citation. But you got to understand what happened. He called down fire from heaven after all that water had been dumped on that altar. It says his 23-word prayer calls down fire from heaven after they, the, the prophets, the priests of Baal had worked on this all day long. It's about 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Elijah stands up, heals the altar. The Bible says that when holiness fire came, it didn't just burn the sacrifice. It didn't just burn the wood. It didn't just burn the rocks. The Bible says that it burned up the rocks. It burnt the very place that it was at. It even burnt the dust. You cannot be touched by the holiness fire of God and not come out unmarked. Rain is what we always want and desire. But before we have what we want, we must get rid of all that we should not have. I'm going to preach on holiness just for a moment, so you better buckle up. In a world where all hell has been loosed and every wicked deed to be done imaginable is being committed. I just want you to know I still believe in holiness. And without that holiness, no man shall see the Lord. At some point, you got to make up your mind that no matter what all that they're doing around me, I'm going to call down holiness fire. It's that fresh fire, the Holy Ghost fire that burns away all the chaff to leave only the righteous elect of God. At some point, you got to come out from among the world and be a separate people, says the Lord. I know you don't like it. And I don't care. I'm preaching the Bible right now. If you don't walk with God and if you don't live a holy life, you'll never enter into Beulah and you'll never enter into the promises God has placed over your life. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah, is asked of people who were called to hear the rain and combat the competition of high-pressure people in the church world. Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain coming. And I'm just going to tell you, 
if I was wrong in my job 90% of the time, like weathermen are, I would be fired. We ain't nobody like no weatherman because they get it wrong every day. Listen, I can go up on TV and I can promise you I can get it just as good as they do. I can walk up and I can say good morning, everybody. Might rain today, might not. 50-50 chance. Your guess is as good as mine. Have a good day. But the man of God who said, it's not going to rain one more single drop until I say, says, I hear the sound. Nobody else could hear the sound but the man of God who said it wasn't going to rain no more. One time I was working. I was running a weed eater and I was on the far side of Curtis Walker Baseball Park over there where Ferris has her baseball games. And I could see it was, it was getting ready to rain. I could actually see down Museum Road, and I could see the rain off in the distance. And I thought, I've got this. I can get around it before it happens. And before I could, I started on the first baseline, and before I could make it to left center field, the bottom fell out. And I was saturated with a heavy rain. But there is something that competes with rainstorms and that creates droughts. And when you watch the weather, you see that big blue H in the background. That stands for high pressure. And high pressure pushes all the rain out. And the spirit that I came to call out tonight is that high, mighty, Holier than thou, arrogant, my way because I have a position. Let me tell you, friend, the microphone is not the ministry. And when it's time for you to worship, you set up like a knot on the log, but then you get the microphone and all of a sudden you got the Holy Ghost. And you hadn't lifted your hands and shed no tears. I'm telling you, folks, I have a problem with somebody who doesn't shed any tears at least every once in a while. You hadn't shed no tears. You hadn't shed no tears in worship, not in praise, not on the altar. And then you want to get the Holy Ghost when you got the microphone. Sit down. God says in James... Four and verse 6, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word also says over in Psalm 22, 3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. That word enthroned means to sit in the Hebrew tongue. So if you're in a dry place, it's because you have not praised. If your place is dry, it's because you hadn't praised. That word enthroned means to sit. And if God's not in your life, it's going to be a dry place. And it's going to have lots of devils and lots of demons. Because Matthew 12, 43 says, when an evil 
Spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, desert seeking rest, but finding none. And John 4, Jesus, nine times, he uses the he uses the word water. Eight times he uses the word or yeah, he uses the word water. Eight times he uses this other word. But then, then he keeps going back and forth, right? But then at the end of the thing, you find out this, this whole time he's not been talking about water. He's been talking about worship. And that's why sometimes, even if you don't feel like it when you're in a dry place, you got to throw your head back, lift up your hands, and say, Ride on, King Jesus. No man will I hinder me. Oh, we got to learn how to worship and how to praise and how to push out high-pressure systems in the church. I just want you to know somebody right now, you're being asked, where is your worship? Where is your praise? Is there a single worshiper in the house with me tonight? Is there a single praiser in the house? Somebody release your worship. I'll give you 30 seconds. Release your praise right now. If, you, if God's been good to you, one, two, three. What are you doing here, Elijah, is the question asked by God to those who have a spirit of acceleration on their lives. You go read chapter 18, the Bible tells you to eat and drink. I want you to know tonight I'm speaking, I'm prophesying right now, eat and drink of the spirit. Because you will need your strength for what God is planned next. Eat, according to Matthew 4, 4, is, says this, but Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Get in your word. Drink, Jesus replied. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you, wouldn't, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Next thing, prophetically, I declare to you that in the secret and in the quiet, you need to revive your prayer life. I, Elijah found himself between his knees, his face to the ground, and he was praying. Psalm 91.1 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Get into that secret place and begin to pray. Get into the secret place and begin to pray. You're going to have to you're going to have to understand that in this season this time comes out only by fasting and praying. 43 chapter 18 the Holy Spirit wants me to notate to you that you need to open your eyes to the things of God. Elijah had sent his servant many times, and he could not see any rain. He already heard the rain, but his servant that was supposed to be serving him could not see the rain. Finally, you have to understand that even the blind eyes can be opened. Because Psalm 146, 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down, and the Lord loves the godly. 
And when he comes, Isaiah 35, 5 says, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The next mighty move from God, according to verse 44 of chapter 18, is coming to you in a small manner. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Isaiah 28.10 says, He tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. Verse 45, he wanted me to note to you the word soon. Soon. It will be upon you soon. What does that mean? Soon. It will be upon you quickly. It will be upon you before that you can get your rain gear out. But to make my only two points that I have in this sermon and my last little bit that I have, verse 46, he wanted me to prophesy over you, accelerate. The men and women of God had better get ready because there is such a spirit of acceleration coming upon you that you make sure before you step on the gas to tuck in your cloak. Because you need nothing to trip you up. What is a cloak? Well, I'm glad you asked. In 2022, the cloak can be your husband and it can be your wife. The cloak can be your boyfriend and it can be your girlfriend. The cloak can be a sports car. The cloak can be hunting and fishing season. The cloak can be watching and playing baseball. The cloak can be gossiping. Your cloak is anything that will trip you up in this race. That's why the apostle was so adamant when he said, run with patience the race that has been set before you. And so why do we find Elijah in the one-star cave on the five-star budget? Because Jezebel. Jezebel said, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Jezebel has a job in the earth and that is to persecute, prosecute, and execute the men and women of God. She's sometimes been referred to as the devil in a skirt, but I want you to know I have lived long enough to find some suit-wearing Jezebels in my lifetime. I want you to know that Jezebel is not Maybelline lipstick and mascara either. Jezebel is a spirit that works to exalt Baal. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Jezebel and her spirit is alive and well working directly with Ahab, Baal, and Asherah today. Jezebel has confused men and women as to their sexual orientation through Asherah worship. Jezebel has convinced the masses that multiplicity is acceptable in religion, even inside once strong-willed Pentecostal circles through Baal worship. 
Jezebel has overrun the position of the woman's God-given design place to be a help me through the conduit of feminism enabled through the spirit of Ahab. But I say to this spirit of Jezebel active in our nation, just recall the spirit of Elijah. Though Elijah was driven by fear into a cave for a night, I want you to know that Jezebel's threats still lie empty to this very day because 24 seconds passed and Elijah did not die. 24 minutes passed and Elijah did not die. 24 hours passed and Elijah did not die. 24 days passed and Elijah did not die. 24 weeks passed and Elijah did not die. 24 months passed and Elijah did not die. 24 years passed and Elijah did not die. And guess what, friends? 1,178 years, 9 months and 5 days have passed and Elijah still has not died. I want you to know that your anointing cannot die. It never leaves the earth. It's waiting for you to stand up. Go back the way that you came. Anoint your Elisha. Anoint the next king of Israel. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and get to work. I chose... This picture. This is an abandoned church in Czechoslovakia. After some time of being abandoned, people went back into it and found that somebody had made busts and set busts all throughout the auditorium. And so now it looks like ghosts are inhabiting the church. And as a man with the apostolic anointing, I feel like ghosts are inhabiting the church. Just like Elijah tried to inhabit the cave, I feel like ghosts are trying to inhabit the church of things that we used to do and stories about how it used to be. And at some point, we must stand and say that sin is still sin. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. Listen, I love everybody, but I want you to know, if you're in a homosexual relationship, you're going to hell. I love you so much that I want you to get born again and delivered from that spirit. I don't want you to leave my church. I want you to get born again and delivered from that spirit. I want you to fall in line underneath the leadership of the church and say, I'm going to live for God come hell, high water, no canoe, no rowboat, no swimming trunks. I'm going to live for God. But I must tell you, Not everybody can respond to this message because 
Not everybody has ears to hear, but I felt a strong, overwhelming tug when I was preparing. And you've seen the video, Bell's back. That was the Commonwealth Games two and a half months ago. Both of those people that you've seen on the video, that happened to the best of our knowledge. We tracked the first video down. That's Duke, like as in the Duke. That other, that other cross-dresser is, she calls herself Penny Cost. And that's not, that's not her fault, that's our fault. Because we've been hiding in a cave instead of preaching the word.